We spend a lot of time on this show talking about the tools, the tools you need to be a great filmmaker, the tools you need to be a good photographer, the tools you need to be a great artist. We talk about, sometimes we talk about gear, sometimes we talk about cameras, and we talk about lighting. And I've had production designers on the show, and I've had uh, gaffers on the show, and all these different tools, all these different technical tools to make a great looking image. And how many of you listening that are filmmakers, maybe you're a cinematographer, maybe you're a director or a writer, uh, and you're listening to this, and you too are obsessed with gear, right? You're obsessed with the tools. We're obsessed with how we capture these beautiful looking images. And you know what? Early in my career, I was in the same boat, right? So hyper-focused on the technical stuff because it's the easiest stuff to learn. And I don't want to offend anybody by saying that, but it's true. If you want to learn how to run a camera, you grab an instruction manual. Well, these days you actually load an instruction piece on YouTube and you just sit through it. And in about 10, 15 minutes, you know how to run through the menu settings. You know how to set up that camera the way it needs to be set up. It's a little bit harder as you start getting into what seem to be the magical techniques of filmmaking, which is lighting or, or working with different sound things or post-production. Those take a little bit longer to figure out. But at the end of the day, you can do that. You can do that by yourself, right? You could sit down in front of the computer and learn those tricks and techniques. And maybe it's something that you're not fascinated with. Maybe it's something that you, you don't want to focus on as a director or a photographer. You can hire the folks that are really talented and they'll come and work for you for a price or for exchange for time as well, you know? But at the end of the day, I think we all forget that the most important thing, the most important thing, and can you guess where I'm going with this? The most important thing for us as filmmakers, for me as a director and as a photographer, are actors. The people that are in front of the lens. These are the people that are taking the chicken scratch that you've written down for a script. These are the people that are taking the ideas for blocking. These are the people that are processing your storyboards and making them into a reality, fully embodying a character that doesn't exist, fully understanding the emotional context that you've been trying to cram into a dialogue sequence, and fully understanding their bodies, their cadence, their ability to walk through a doorway of emotion and come out the other side a different person. I have nothing but respect for actors. I'm enthralled by them. I'm amazed by them. I'm sometimes scared by them as a director because I don't want to fuck up their process. And I've talked about this before and you've heard me go back and listen to the episode with Judith Weston that she uh, wrote that amazing book that sort of changed the way I prep my films, which is directing for actors. I love that book. Um, and really my eyes were opened at that point. And there was sort of a light that was shed on my anxiety. And the anxiety that I've had as a director in the past where I've always felt like actors are this little cluster of like amazing little unicorns. And if I go over there, I'll scare them the fuck away. <laughs> right? Right? And as I get more confident and I've done more work, and honestly, as I've spent more time in the edit room, processing my footage and looking at footage and looking for those real moments, I came to realize that acting is interesting to me. I shouldn't be afraid of it. I should just learn the tricks and the techniques to enable these people, these brave souls, 
that are willing to come and bear everything in front of a group full of strangers, a room full of strangers, and allow you to film it. It's amazing stuff. And so whenever I get a chance, I try to get great actors on this show. And because of you, because of the uh, new listeners, because of all the new people listening to our podcast right now, our numbers are up. And as I promised, I promised you months and months ago when I said, please tell your friends, get more people to listen to the show. Why? Because then I'll get access to bigger talent, greater actors, folks that work all the time, people that have made things that we've all seen and loved. I'll get them on the show and we'll talk about life. We'll talk about their process. And today is a great day for two reasons. One, following through with what I said I would do and we got a great actor on the show. Someone that you've seen on television, someone that has done amazing performances, performances that stick with you long after you watch that film or long after you watch that show. Today's guest does that. Two, I get to sit down and meet somebody who I truly connect with. I really felt like I walked away at the end of this episode, best buds with our guest today. And it's so fucking awesome. I love that. You know, when you meet somebody, a stranger, and you guys hit it off really quickly, and there's this connection, and you guys believe in sort of the same thing, but then he's got things that he's sharing with me that I find inspiring, and hopefully things that I shared with him triggers some sort of inspiration, and we come out of the back end of it with a mutual admiration for each other. And I'm going to be honest with you, hopefully, I would love to work with him. So hopefully, I know you're listening to this episode, Chad, we're going to talk, <laughs> but yeah, Get ready for today's guest, the amazing Chad L. Coleman. And if you don't know Chad, wake up. I don't know where, I don't know how you could not have seen him on probably the biggest television show, the biggest, most successful television show uh, on The Walking Dead. Chad was on that show. Chad was also on The Wire, one of the best shows ever, one of the most fantastic, most immersive character studies ever he was also on the wire uh he's also on my favorite show one of my favorite shows of all time a show that continuously makes me laugh and his character on that show is so good uh he also stars on always sunny he's got a role reoccurring role on always sunny in philadelphia he's been on the expanse and he's coming out in an upcoming michael jackson film called michael jackson searching for neverland which is based upon a book written by michael jackson's bodyguards I think it sort of tackles the end of his life and how it all happened. I'm fascinated. I'm interested to see that as well. So yes, Chad Coleman is on today's show. Very excited. I call him up. We talk over the phone. He's in Atlanta and we connect pretty quick. Uh, so get ready. Get ready for a great show on acting. Now, if you're gonna listen to this episode and you're hoping to get some like techniques and you're hoping to get to, into the nitty gritty of how acting works and how do you interact with the camera and what's it like to interact with this and, or maybe you're a fan of The Walking Dead or maybe you're a fan of one of his movies and you're expecting me to ask a lot of fanboy questions like, oh, what was it like to, uh, you know, uh, hit, like destroy zombies with a hammer uh, throughout the process of The Walking Dead and how did you feel about the other cast members? We don't get into any of this. None of that. <laughs> Today's episode 
is what you guys love, is what you guys want. And it's as if I said, hey, I'm going to hang out with Chad today. You want to come hang out and have a few beers with us? That's what the show is. And we get deep. It's very organic. I love shows like this where like I put together a list of questions and I don't even hit any of them. We just go. We start talking and we fall down into a path and we get into some really fascinating things. We start talking about emotion. We start talking about processing emotion. What it's like to be an actor that has to tap into some deep shit to find a character. And what it's like to have to do that for 10 and 11 takes. And then who are you after you go the process, after you go through the process of being this emotional person? Like if you're cast as a serial killer and you're going out of your mind multiple times a day, take after take after take, and then you're doing this for week upon week, how do you survive after that? Who are you after that when you walk off that set, right? And then we're talking a bit about surviving Hollywood, surviving the process of making movies, surviving the rejection process, surviving uh, the callousing process. Like, how do you not become incredibly callous? How do you not become very cynical going through all these levels of rejection? Because most of our job is processing rejection. Uh, and I've recently talked about it a few episodes back. You heard me talk about how I'm trying to survive Hollywood, how I'm trying to survive this process. And through rejection, through delays, comes inspiration, comes new ideas. And Chad says it best when you listen to this episode. He, he talks about how he prepares himself to go out into the world, how he prepares himself to interact with other artists. It's a great episode for this. So strap yourselves in, man. Get ready for one of our best episodes when it comes to actors. And uh, Chad is such a gentleman. Um, he's also doing his own podcast, which I'm very excited about. Um, and it's uh, Humble Hollywood, which you guys should definitely go check out and follow. We'll make I'll be sure to put the uh, link for that stuff in the description of this episode. I know he's also preparing to do a live podcast with a bunch of amazing guests uh, in Las Vegas over the next few weeks. Um, so yeah, all that information is going to be embedded in the description of this episode. But before we get to all that stuff, um, I just wanted to check in with you guys and sort of catch up on what I meant by inspiration. And I've talked briefly about this on a prior episode, and I just did an Instagram Live last week on this. But yes, I'm doing a new project. I'm in the process of doing storyboards and prep right now. Will is polishing the script for it. We are doing a brand new proof of concept film. And if you've seen my other proof of concept films, you've seen 12KM or if you've seen Who's There, you know the level that we do these things at. I'm very excited, very excited about this one. It tackles a lot of things that I love. Yes, it is in the thriller horror genre. Yes, we are tackling a genre, uh, a creature genre that has existed before, and we're doing it a little bit differently. And I'm sort of going into a bunch of things that I find fascinating uh, about my life. It's got some blue ca blue collar characters in it, which I love. Um, and uh, it's going to be fucking cool as shit. Uh, I just went through and I storyboarded the opening last night. And, you know, it's so much fun when you're actually putting that stuff together and ideas start to form. 
and I started to see ideas formed as I was just drawing shapes. And I was like, oh, what if this is a motif? This is cool, you know? And then you sort of fall down into this thing. And you're like, oh, if this becomes a symbolic thing throughout the piece, then that, oh, man, that takes the scene, which is sort of like a needed, necessary sort of exposition scene, and then it textures it. And it textures it emotionally. And then as you're just sort of drawing out how the characters move and the actors move through that space, you're like, oh, well, what if she's taller than he is in this sequence because what she's saying means more and so then you start to figure out all these little details i love this stuff that's where i'm at right now very exciting the good news and the exciting news is i've promised this since the beginning of this show that when i started a new film you guys could get involved i would make this into something that was fun for the podcast so of course as we go through the process of producing this piece i'm going to try to have this thing shot by july in theory. So I can try to have it shot by July, but as we go through the process of doing this, on the show I'll be teasing you guys and talking about different things and, and letting you know what's going on. But I'm also going to do a very special director's inner circle thing with the listeners of the show. So I'm not going to do a Kickstarter and I'm not going to do a GoFundMe because I don't want to pay the fees. Fuck them. I don't want to do that. I don't want to pay for any of that stuff. So what I'm going to do is my own. I'm going to do it myself. We're going to do it through the Instagram or through the uh, podcast website. So it'll be at inlovewiththeprocess.com. And we're going to set it up there. And I'm going to have different donation tiers for this film. Because I would like to get a little extra money to make this thing happen. I'd like to be able to pay for a couple of extra things. Maybe get some extra props that I need. Maybe get some squibs and some gun stuff that I would need. Um, so I can use your help. So anything that you guys will donate to the show directly goes into the film. Directly goes into the film. And will make the film better. Exponentially better. So when you watch my other pieces and my other projects and you're like, oh, it would have been great if you had this. Well, you can make that happen now. And over the next week or so, I will sort of talk you through exactly what we're looking for and exactly what we're making. But um, in the meantime, just know that there's going to be all sorts of great tier stuff. There'll be a level in which you can just do a simple donation and be able to see the film afterwards. Because most likely, I'm not going to release this publicly the same way I released the didn't release the other ones, okay? So you'll be able to see the film and donate to it. There's also going to be different levels where you can be a part of the edit process. Maybe you want to be a part of the prep process, be able to see the script before, see storyboards before, go through that whole thing as well. Uh, I may even set up a really high-end tier where you can actually read the script, be a part of the boards, and get on a Zoom call with a group of us and give me your input, see what it is that you like. Maybe you wanna be on the post end of things, and you wanna be one of the few that get to see varieties of cuts before it's finally finished. I'm gonna put all these things together, and I know that my audience now are you guys. You girls out there that want to be filmmakers, that want access to this, and you've been asking me multiple times, hey, will you do a class on uh, storyboarding, or will you do a class on directing, or class on editing? No, I'm not going to do classes. What I'll do is this. You can donate the money that you would throw away for some bullshit course online, you can put into making this movie. You could be a pro part of the process for this movie. And then I will open my doors to you so that you can see my process so that you can learn in the best way, which is through experience, 
through understanding. And I don't feel like I'm just feeding you tricks. You know what I mean? You get to see me fail. You get to see me learn. Because there's a lot of shit I got to pull together for this, man. I have not shot an indie film in Los Angeles yet. So there's a lot of learn curve that I have to go through there. I've done most of mine on the East Coast. So this is going to be fun. It's strange and fascinating. I'm excited. I'm scared. It's going to be fun. So that's what's happening. All right. So continue to follow me on Instagram at Mike Petschy or follow the podcast on Instagram at In Love With The Process Pod. That's In Love With The Process P-O-D on Instagram. And uh, I will give you more information as we have it. I think what I'm going to do is start the uh, donation stuff uh, next month, May. So I think it's going to start May and we'll run it for a month. Whatever we can gather in that time, we'll use. All right? So that's what's up. But enough. Enough talking. Enough gabbing. Because I am so excited with this episode. I'm so excited with the connection this episode. Chad is the man. He is the man. You guys are going to want to go and tune into his podcast after you listen to this. So strap yourselves in, throw in those noise-canceling headphones, get ready, grab a beer, come hang out with me and Chad on the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. Chad, how are you, man? It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you, brother. I'm fantastic. Life is good. <laughs> That's good, man. Where are you at? Are you in? Are you uh, East Coast or West Coast? Yeah, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Atlanta. Oh, nice, nice. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta's like a hot spot for filming. It's like a big place for the tax incentive and everything. Yeah, they're calling it the Hollywood of the South now, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of opportunity down here, but it was more so a decision for family uh, for me. Yeah, yeah. My eight year old, but you know, I was in LA and I was doing um, finishing up the Orville, uh, 
And um, I just decided to make Atlanta my base. So when I'm not working, I can be with my son. That makes sense, man. That totally makes sense. Like we just, I moved out here to Los Angeles like four months, five months before the pandemic. And so, uh, which was kind of weird. It was like strangely going to prison <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm originally from East Coast, originally from Boston area and and uh, did that stuff for years. Was directing there for like 20 plus years and then uh, did the move out here to Los Angeles. And, and, and now it just seems, now that everything's sort of lifted, it, I feel like I'm actually living in los angeles finally for two after two years <laughs> wow which area are you in so, i was in west hollywood yeah we 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 looked around i ended up i mean dude i'm more of a blue collar kind of guy and i like i'm like a barbecue kind of guy i like to have a, a yard i like to have people over and cook food for them and that kind of thing and so we ended up going more east and um, I don't know. We ended up in Glen. I never thought I'd end up in Glendale. Anytime I had heard about, okay. <laughs> anytime I had heard about Glendale, I'm like, so that's where people go when they have kids and you go to school and stuff. And uh, uh, it ended up being really great. Like uh, there's like tons of food, really great butchers out here. And so being a guy that likes to, you know, get the barbecue smoker running, it was like, all right, I like this area. This is cool. Nice. I thought you were going to say Echo Park. Well, we looked. We definitely looked in Echo Park. But then you, there's a lot of spots out here where the price jump is so astronomical. And you're like, what am I paying, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars more a year just to be closer to that street with a couple bars on it? I'll just drive over there if I want to go do that, you know? So that was kind of, that was kind of my thought, you know? Right. I get it. Yeah, man. So you, did you used to live out here in Los Angeles? So you lived out in, in West Hollywood is what you were saying, right? Yeah. No, I lived in Echo Park as well. Uh, I lived in Echo Park for years. So, um, yeah, I lived in Echo Park for years. And, yeah, I, I was always going back and forth between New York and L.A. with work once I did The Wire. Um, <clears throat> like it around by by '04, I was uh, – you know, consistently going out for pilot season and stuff, and then booking certain jobs like, um, like the Orville, you know, and All American. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Just had me out there, you know, had me in LA constantly. So nice, man. So yeah, it's been a part of my, <laughs> it's been a part of my whole journey for a long, quite a while. It even started, it started in 1990, 1998. And I was at uh, the Mark Taper Forum with Anna Devere Smith. Okay, doing a show called House Arrest. So that's when I first landed in L.A. Wow, man. Well, <clears throat> yeah. Well, I think what I'd love to do, Chad, if you if you want to go on the ride with me, is I'd like to sort of go back to the beginning with you and and uh, find out, like, uh, out of all the artistic expressions out there, why acting? Like, what wh what was it about acting that made you want to get into it? Um, well, you know what? I, I trace everything back to my, my first public performance when I was in the third or fourth grade. And I, um, I read Dr. Seuss in front of the class and <laughs> I did it so well. The teacher went to get the principal, Well, the principal wasn't there. So the vice principal came. Yeah. So, um, I realized, you know, that kind of adulation and attention it was fun. <laughs> so 
I think it really started there and then moved into the Thanksgiving play <laughs> when I I had one line, but uh-huh. everybody could hear me. Excuse me. I had one line, but everybody could hear me clearly. Yeah. So that was exciting. <laughs> that's per- that's and important. Then, <laughs> I think it just was, um, I think actors are born, you know? Yeah. I just, I really do. And then, because why you're compelled to do it and why you're, you know, excited by it and all of those things is a bit of a mystery. (laughs) But I did like the attention and I do love language. So um, then we move forward to say, uh, I don't know if you remember Scholastic Magazine. I do. Yes. So the play was in the back. So why I was compelled to try to do it for real when everybody else was just like, blah, 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 whatever. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and everybody's looking at me like, why are you putting so much into it? <laughs> I, I, it's a mystery why I've drawn to it. But I just, I think um, I tell people I didn't get into acting. Acting got into me. So It makes sense, um, man. It makes sense. I mean, <clears throat> for as many actors that I've known and I've worked with, it, it takes a different... It takes a certain breed. I mean, like to be able to put yourself on that line. I have nothing but respect for uh, people that can get in front of a camera and put everything out, put their heart on their sleeve, and really sort of and and dive. and And what I try to do as a director is create that environment of trust, where it's just like, let's just play, let's just go with this, and because there's nothing more magical than seeing uh, a human being find a different person within and, and really sort of fall into that person. I, I, I love that stuff, man. It's the coolest thing to see in the world. Yeah. Well, and the other thing was um, I was fortunate enough to have a teacher uh, named Robert Pemberton who had gone to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts mm-hmm. when it was in its heyday and, you know, when it was incredibly renowned and, um, he didn't get invited back for that second year. And so he came back to Richmond, Virginia with all this wealth of knowledge and um, about technique. And um, we started learning about Stanislavski and Mm -hmm. things of that nature. By the time I was a sophomore in high school and uh, the group theater and uh, Lee Strasberg and, and Uta Hagen and, uh, we we learned all these things, so I was profoundly uh, moved by all of that, and was excited by it. And um, and we started doing the work. And I had an out of body experience where I was doing a scene from A Raisin in the Sun mm-hmm. by Lorraine Hansberry, mm-hmm. and um, that's when I realized that um, this was a place that I could dump all this stuff that was going on inside because um, you know, I had grown up in foster care and you know, things of that nature, a bit rocky. Yeah. And I, I found a place to put all that. And um, it worked. And, and also it was a an adrenaline rush. And um, and then being on the stage was just, I was I felt at home. So I, got, I guess I was just born to do it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Are you, do you, th- so this is fascinating. Like I, I've recently been examining this through therapy myself with adrenaline. And it, I, I, I had a session that was like last week where we had sort of this breakthrough and, and uh, the therapist, she was like, um, I think that you've just been addicted to adrenaline since you were a kid. 
Um, do you feel mm. this? Because I get that when I'm directing, I get that when I start a new project and I get sort of like, I don't feel like I'm on full creative mode unless like my, my heart's pumping and I'm like, oh, oh shit, you know, and taking that stress and trying to, and trying to make it into something good, which I'm trying to shift as I get older because I'm kind of tired of all the adrenaline at this point. But do you feel that way? Are you addicted to adrenaline to a certain point? Does it play an important yeah, part? I think so for sure. All that buzz, that, that energy and that, that electricity running through me. Yeah. That, that's an, that's exciting. Um, you know, I, I, I go after that. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I, <clears throat> that's kind of what this show's about, man. Like, I, like I love to sort of dig into like why we get obsessed with this stuff and, and this business, uh, whether you're talking about being an actor or writer or director, you have to be obsessed because this business is just like thanklessly brutal as far as like what you get put through. Right. Is what yeah. you get put through. And so the you know, I'm always inspired by the folks that are just like, I love it, I love it. I still get up, I do it, and uh, you know, because there's you know, ridiculous amounts of rejection, especially as an actor, like the the rejection process. Yeah. It's you you know what, bro. I always said it, it's my responsibility to keep a healthy perspective. Mm. Like, you know, um, you can go through the experience and I've done this, you know, um, the pain of it and kind of end up sitting in that and just, you know, it, it's of no benefit. It's, it, it never benefited me. Um, I try my best to just, stay ambitious and driven and uh, just keep a positive, healthy attitude about it Smart. and yeah. be, you know, being very grateful to even do this is, is uh, something that I try to keep at the forefront of my mind. That I'm very fortunate to be doing what I do. A lot of people out there in the world are, you know, facing much more stringent and tough jobs and, yeah. and forced to do things they don't love. So, I'm doing what I love, so it, it's really up to me to just to, to stay positive about it. it it's n whether it's easy or hard. I, I really try not to get into. I, I simply, I simply surrender to uh, a positive outlook and approach. Um, that's where I've been able to get to, and um, over the last, say, like four or five years, you know. But I really know it's it's on me. No one else can uh, nurture me. No one else can really uh, um, take care of my mindset if, if I don't do it. So yeah. that that's kind of where I'm at with it. It makes a lot of sense, man. And and you and I are pretty close in age. I think you're just slightly older than me. And I, I felt like as soon as I crossed into my 40s myself, I was sort of over all that other stuff. And it was like, okay, how do I do this and stay happy? And, and it, you're right. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really personal perspective. And it's like, okay, a, I'm fortunate to be doing this kind of thing. I'm fortunate to get paid to do this thing, but also be like, so much of our life is, is, is the prep for these things is the meeting yeah. people and doing stuff. And the physical act is, you know, like five, ten percent, at least for me as a director, it's it takes like years for you to get to the point where something's greenlit and you're ready to rock and 
And so it, for me, it became more about being obsessed with everything else. It's like, okay, well, I really should love the, 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 the rest of the 90% of my life because that's mm -hmm. most of what it is, you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's all a process, you know, just like, you know, peeling away the layers and <clears throat> getting to the center of the lollipop and, <laughs> and, um, that's what it's been for me to try to avoid the um, the up and down of it all, you yeah. know, and yeah. I do a lot of hiking and meditating and just reflecting on a spiritual mindset. Um, just to, to me, the key is the, the inner peace. And so seeking that and just it's just about opening my heart, being loving, kind. Yeah. Having fun and joy, so that is on me. Yeah. It is a choice for me. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. the the way I approach it is like, hey, bro, you want to have fun? Choose it. <laughs> Don't, and. It's like no matter how I may feel, you know, I don't, I don't, I rely on my emotions for the job, but I don't, I don't look to my emotions as a GPS for my day-to-day -day living. Smart. That's very smart, dude. That's very smart. It's advice I think a lot of people should take because you, you end up becoming more reactionary. This you Absolutely, bro. It's a setup <laughs> to me. It's a setup. To, to cause yourself further suffering. Yeah. So I try to take responsibility for that at all times. Choosing who, how I choose to show up is completely on me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, but I think I grew up being led by my emotions, you know? Yes. And of course, all of that fed into the acting uh, a thousand percent. But in terms of life itself, I'm looking for that more settled, centered, you know, peaceful existence. So, yeah. If you want that, you got you got to choose that. And you, you got to, you know, uh intentionally place your mind on that. Yeah. And and that exercise, you know, keeps me far more grounded and just my perspective on things and most of the times it's what they call grasping and attachment. Mm. I'm placing too much value on things outside of me yeah. that I'm making it more than what it is. So when I do that, I'm really responsible for my own suffering. And as long as somebody doesn't physically accost me, how I perceive things is again on me. So I, I work with that. And, um, you know, like I said, I do a lot of meditating. I do meditative walks every day. So, mm -hmm. and it's beautiful down here. I, I didn't know uh, Georgia from the perspective of uh, all these trails and wonderful elevations and waterfalls and mm. things of that nature. Just walking through the woods for me. And, you know, you see a deer or an owl or, you know, <laughs> it, it's just cleansing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty much, you know, it's a full time job to <laughs> yeah, to stay sane. You know, exactly. <laughs> that's right, bro. That's the truth. It's yeah. the truth, man. Yeah. And then because we actually, you know, we use our trauma in the job. Yes. So that's like, you know, I tell people 
we run into the burning building of emotions <laughs> to do what we do, where there's other people are running away from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but when you do that and you revisit these traumas, so you trick the mind into that you're having that experience. So you gotta have release. Yeah. So in my day to day, I that's that's where I'm constantly staying on top of that release and letting go of the of negative energy and yeah, just being positive, man. Yeah, dude. It's I love that we're talking about this because it's it's so current in my life as well. Like I, I felt like I crossed into the forties and and without knowing it, because I'm a blue collar dude. I've come from that that world, and I've always been the type of person that like puts my head down. I'm like, just hustle through the work, hustle through the work, hustle through the work, and right. And then you know, it's sort of I, honestly, I think COVID and having to take time off with COVID was like a big part of it, where suddenly everything shuts down and everything's super quiet, and you're examining like, what am I, what am I, what am I feeling right now? Um, Absolutely. and then, you know, it, it didn't occur to me. <laughs> it's funny. I always relate it to, uh, to getting, uh, massages, right? So when I start, mm-hmm. when I started in this business, I was a cinematographer for years and I was a cameraman for years and, and that really beats the hell out of your body, like physically beats you mm. up. And, right. And, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I, whenever someone would mention a massage, I'm like, Ooh, that's fancy. You know, someone, some, <laughs> someone has the money to go get a massage. And then I realized that it was important. It was imperative for me to be able to continue to do my job. And if I went and I did these, these, these sessions, then my muscles would feel better. And then I was more flexible and I could do that. And it didn't occur to me mentally that you also need to have mental massages essentially, because, yes. you know, you're just stacking. You're not really you're not really dealing with the post-traumatic stress of a job or process that got you to that job. And I would assume it's so much worse for actors because you guys are going emotionally on this trail and you know, I'm going to play a fucking serial killer. So now I'm a serial killer for a period of time, or I'm completely depressed about this. I mean, we feel it as directors to a certain extent, but Oh my God, that, that, that trauma like it says, you're essentially, like you said, running into that burning building, reliving those moments of somebody, going to your darkest places. How do you release that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. That's why I said, thus all the meditative hikes and, and meditation and just an awareness, you know, and mindfulness yeah. and really checking in with my inner self is just such an inside job. <laughs> so really... As uh, the way I put it is, I turn my eyes inward. So I, I really want to know what's going on in there, what's 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 percolating, what's what's coming up for you, and don't run from it. Walk towards it, and then you'll change the size of it. Because mm-hmm. you know, I spent a lot of years. I don't. I, I you say forties for me. It took the fifties. <laughs> you know, getting into my fifties. <laughs> To for it to really click, because I came from a traumatized background, so there is there was tremendous victimization. Yeah. So you have to really see, like, like what's your worldview of yourself? Do you see yourself as a victim? Yeah, I think I did. I think many times, uh, you know, I did, I did play into it, and so it, it took a long time to learn to cultivate uh, a side of myself, which is 
more more spiritual mm. and able to nurture that side of myself so so it can face the traumatized me mm. and you know and and kind of close the gap is it's self love really so you yeah. know <laughs> people say it all the time but it's true it's how do you actively participate in nurturing your trauma yeah yeah or nurturing your traumatized self it it, it doesn't go away i always tell people it's like a big the inner life is a big pot of stew all of it's in there yeah but in any given time something can be more acute you know mm-hmm. today i may be feeling incredibly needy well okay all right, I know it feels uncomfortable, but this too shall pass. And here's what how I can participate in massaging that, as you said, massaging that throbbing thing that's going on. Yeah, yeah. And it works. It works for me anyway. No, <laughs> it's good to hear, dude. It really is. It's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and whatever you do, like, let me just say this. I love seeing you on screen, man. I think that... Uh, <laughs> You're one of those actors that I find fascinating to just watch, you know, and I, I really enjoy your presence in front of the camera. Um, and I think you have what a lot of folks wish they had, which is just you're interesting to look at. And as a director, that's usually what I that's the dream, right? You want to find that actor that embodies the character that doesn't have to say anything literally could just mm. breathe and and blink and eat and be in front of that camera and be in front of that lens and 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 everybody wants to watch that individual and I've felt that way with you since I saw you on the wire I recently I was super surprised to see you in a cop shop I was like oh no shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no uh, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> um, and of course, your partner in The Walking Dead, which everybody, I'm sure you get way too many questions about that. But um, I, I think that you have got to a point where you just have to, you don't have to do much. You could just be in front of the camera and breathe. And you're interesting to look at, man, you know? Oh, well, thank you, brother. I do appreciate all of those complimentary words. And um, honestly, you know, the story is the thing and, you know, the script's the thing, the story's the thing. So um, I take that responsibility very serious, Mm -hmm. but I'm also very clear that if I trust it, then it's, it won't be, you don't need it to be noisy, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be noisy. It can just, just relax, trust be absolutely present, listen, mm-hmm. and uh, everything's going to happen. You know, it, it'll happen to you. You don't have to happen to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I learned this younger when I was a when I was starting as a director and and working with talent, working with actors, because my origins were weird. My 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 beginning was like I said, very cinematography, very sort of technical based, very sort of building that. And I remember when I first started working with actors, uh, I said this on one of the prior episodes. I always felt like there was this herd of magical unicorns that I didn't want to scare away. 
<laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> so it took me a while to sort of wrap my head around it and and just understand the process of nurturing safety and nurturing these moments uh, on camera because I think the place that I learned the most about great acting was in the edit room. And as you get into mm. the edit room and you start cutting footage, you start cutting multiple takes and cross-cutting and I, I found myself just leaning towards the quiet moments and the stuff that just felt natural to me. And, and some of my earlier pieces, and I'll take full blame for it, it's because I wasn't a great director. I would have to pull heads and tails from takes from actors when they didn't know the camera was rolling to try to craft those moments and build those moments in the edit room, um, which saved some of my projects, because, like I said, because of my bad directing early on. Um, but, but then I learned through the process of, of, of editing going like, how do I create the environment in which the actor can do that? And then consciously be doing that so that they can be making their own decisions on what that actually leads to. And, and that became my goal and my focus for a while, you know? Well, then that tells me you're a damn good director. Oh, thanks, man. That's, that's what we need. We need the space. <laughs> we need that, like you said, that safe haven and that space to just allow it to happen and everybody trusting that it will, because we have a wonderful writer that put it all together. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. If we all trust that and we create that environment. Oh yeah. Nothing but sweet music, man. Oh. No matter what, no matter if it's drama or comedy, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and just taking care of the actor, recognizing that we don't need to do 40 takes and um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we get <laughs> you know, when we when we get to like six or seven and then the director doesn't have is saying let's do one more, but yeah. you're not giving me anything else, that's that's problematic for me. I mean, of course, I'm going to do it and I'm going to do my job, but, uh, you know, just be, be leery of exhausting the actor, you know? Well, of course. Because we give, give so much. And once you, I just love directors that, that know when they have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but that's what it comes. You know what it is, man, is it's, it's, I'm going to get passionate about this, but it, it's in the prep. My job is in the prep. That's where it all is. Like it's when I sit down and I do as much prep as I possibly can, think about as many variables as I can, think about as many options as I possibly can. So that way I see it. At least I see what I think the thing's supposed to be. And then, mm -hmm. and then the other mistake I think that I used to make when I was younger, and I think a lot of directors still make, is that they treat actors the same way that they turn to, uh, like if you're a cinematographer, you turn to a gaffer and you go, hey, will you just dial down that light like 15%? <laughs> <laughs> you know right. I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. I get it, bro. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I've experienced that for sure. You know, <laughs> I've, I've experienced that before. But, um, yeah. And, you know, you just have to, you know, you protect yourself. Yeah. You know, you know, as you understand who you're dealing with, then, um, you know, I just I just protect myself and just stay ultra professional. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> I, 
there's a point where you got to remember that you're a person. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it, I know bro, but trust me, I've, I've had some experiences where I could tell the person was a first time director yeah, or a first time showrunner. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was painfully obvious that the trust in themselves wasn't there. Yeah. And you, you, you can see it. And then, and there are people who really, sometimes they just don't know how to communicate with actors. Yeah. And it it happens. And so, um, I do my best. That's when I do my best to be, uh, be a reflection of how, how it could be here. Here's, here's how it could possibly go. So Hmm. I show up with that and, and try to use my skills as a communicator to kind of rub off uh, with the positive energy on the set. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 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 Being very open and pliable. And I try to <clears throat> try to create some level of connectivity, even though sometimes, you know, you're showing up on set and <clears throat> you don't know that director, mm-hmm. but I'm never afraid of small talk, small talk, and humor uh, are, are two are two go tos for me yeah. on the set. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and once, especially once, once you're able to have a good laugh, it, it really just. And, and I'm Mr. You know, self deprecating. <laughs> <laughs> me it too. Helps. Me too, man. Me too. <laughs> you let the person know that I don't take myself too seriously. Yeah, I take what we do seriously. Yeah, but I don't take myself too seriously, and, I, and I'm I'm not going to come in here with some outsized ego. I'm not. Yeah. So you don't have to handle me with with kick gloves, but at the same time, you know, let's let's find a, a way to communicate with each other. That's just going to help the vibe mm-hmm. and and help the story. Mm-hmm. That that's what I'm tr- that's what I'm attempting to do. But if I read the person and they're just you know they they're just quiet like that, you know, okay, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Just 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 feel free to know that that whatever you whatever you're feeling, whatever your instincts are, whatever you need, I'm 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 available to it and. And a thousand times open because it can go so many ways. It can. Yeah. It can, it can go so many ways. But the other thing you said that's very, very powerful. Yes. Preparation and the vision. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I like directors that have a strong sense of it. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, but are willing to say, okay, you want to try it that way. Go ahead. You know, because like you said, you could get to the editing room. And realize, oh wow, oh it can go this way. Oh, that moment where he didn't say anything else—it's yeah. just right there in his eyes. He didn't have to say that. Yep. Oh, okay. So, yeah, always open for you know options. Never, um, never fixed about it. It's open. It's fluid. I was working with somebody that said, I like it messy. (laughs) She's an incredible actress, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was doing uh, three women for Showtime, and this young lady, uh, Gabrielle Creevy, just absolutely amazing, man. Just a thousand percent alive every take. And and when she had to go into deep emotional stuff, uh, 
And she did. She had to do it like 10, 10 times. Man. And she was there every time. I said, wow, okay, now go home and watch some stand-up comedy. <laughs> you got a puppy at home or something? Go, go walk the dog, please. Please don't carry this with you. And she said, no, no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But she's so, like, she was just so available to it each time and never, never wavered. You know, I was, I was, I'm quite impressed with the young lady. She's, and then that, that's inspiring or working with Daniel Ezra, you know, that on all America, that dude just, it's inspiring to work with young actors who are all in and passionate and not about diva like stuff. All right, it's time to take a break, take a moment. I want to talk about our sponsors of the show. I want to talk about some exciting stuff that's going on. So strap yourselves in, hang out for a minute. You might learn something. Don't skip past this stuff. You know, I usually go off on tangents in here. (laughs) Um, So first up, supporting the show as always, good friends over Puget Systems. Uh, Puget has been supporting this podcast since we started. Puget has been with us since day one. Even before the first episode came out, Puget has been there. I love these guys. They support my work. They support other artists. I know the other artists that they support, and everybody says that they love Puget. I love them too. If you're in the marketplace to build a new machine, to build a new edit machine, head on over to PugetSystems.com. I've been using my amazing 6K edit machine uh, for years now, and I love it. And if, if there's an issue, I can do a simple upgrade, and we're good to go. It's great. The power has been put back in my hands. If you are someone that runs an edit suite, an edit studio, if you're someone that's running a post-production place, if you've got multiple multiple machines that you need to all talk to each other, check out Puget Systems. And I know many of you are coming from a Mac world, an Apple world, and you're like, well, look, man, even though we can cut on PCs, uh, a lot of our clients are working on Macs. So how do we import their Mac formatted drives and how do we make them work for our PCs? There's a simple piece of software that's very inexpensive that you can download on your PC that will not only read Mac drives, but it will write to Mac drives. And I use this software all the time. And when I'm on sets, I'm always formatting my drives to Mac because I know that my PC can literally use it and write to it consistently. So then when you have clients, let's say that you have to take an edit, I'll put an edit, send it to a colorist, and you want to send a drive over to them, it'll simply load and run on their Mac. No big deal whatsoever. It's the shit. So if you want to know more about that stuff, if you want to know how to make that work, if you're just curious about what that software is, head on over to PugetSystems.com, write to those guys, and they'll tell you. They'll walk you through that whole thing. And I just heard that they're going to be at NAB this year. I think they're going to have a booth at NAB this year. I'm not sure but head on over to at Puget Systems at Instagram for more information on their uh, NAB setup. Go talk to the guys. I think Matt will be there. I'm sure Eric will be there. Um, I love those dudes. They just sponsored my new special gift thing that I'm giving to the guests of the show, which you guys are going to be so jealous about. (laughs) So I'm very excited. Uh, So head on over to PugetSystems.com and check them out. Uh, The other big sponsor on our show 
the, the, the guys that have been supporting us all year, uh, the people that have been inspiring my creation, my creativity, uh, the sounds of all these super cool pieces that I've been editing for Gina and for her work. So if you guys saw the Robert Pattinson GQ thing and you thought that stuff sounded rad, if you saw the recent uh, Boho Man stuff that I cut for her and you thought that sounded really cool, I've got two or three more pieces that are coming out that are going to be really awesome as well. I got all the music and all the sound effects from Jambox. So if you go to jambox.io, have it blow your mind. If you're a creator and you're looking for good music, good music, I don't mean like shitty schlocky like stock licensed music. It sounds like someone did it on a keyboard. It's like, oh, cool, a cool fucking uh, electric guitar sound on your Casio keyboard, man. How am I supposed to impress a client with that, right? If you need something that sounds great, something that belongs on your Spotify playlist, head on over to jambox.io. I'm telling you right now, just go through their library of stuff and let it inspire you. Then click on their pricing and have it blow your brain open because it's very affordable. It's incredibly affordable. And they have a bunch of really good subscription plans or if you're like, I've got way too many subscriptions out there, I just want to do single song licensing, it's super affordable for really great stuff. So if you're looking at subscriptions, um, they have a uh, unlimited creator account. For those of you who are just creating stuff for social media, streaming, uh, personal projects, student projects, uh, podcasts, it's only $9.99 a month. And if you use our promo code, for the month of April, ILWP, it's down in the description of this episode. Use the promo code and get 20% off of that. Okay? That's only for In Love With The Process listeners. All right, so definitely use that code. If you're someone that's creating commercials and you're getting paid for those commercials, let's say you're doing digital ads, wedding, corporate, nonprofit kind of stuff, uh, there's a $19.99 unlimited commercial account. This is the one that I have. So. The music that I was using for the GQ stuff and all that was fully covered through this unlimited commercial account. Um, that's $19.99 a month with a seven day free trial. Seven day free trial, okay? So like I said, use the ILWP code, get 20% off that. If you're a student, six bucks a month gives you access to everything that the unlimited has. And you can use that for web streaming, social channels, film festivals, student projects. Pretty awesome guys. And the music's great. I love the fact that they offer up stems. So if you're in the commercial account, you can get stems and sound effects. Everything you need to make a great piece sound awesome. To make good footage into a good movie. Because sound does that. Head on over to jambox.io and see what it is that I'm talking about. And while you're surfing the internet, head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com. Check out the page for today's episode. I'll put up links for stuff that Chad's been in. I'll hopefully have some photos from him. We're sort of working on that today. I'll put up all sorts of really fun stuff for you guys to check out there. So if you head on over to inlovewiththeprocess.com, that will be the, also the place where you can donate to the new movie. As we get into next month, I'll have more info on that coming up. So do that. All right. I think those are our two sponsors for today. That's who we got. So in the meantime... Strap back in because uh, Chad and I are going to get even deeper. Here we go.
Okay, so the, I was I had two things that I was thinking about when you were talking. I think that um, ego, ego, and um, intimidation are the death of creativity, in my opinion. I think both those mm-hmm. things are intense, and I think that um, uh, I've come to realize after directing for so many years that that the role of a director is intimidating for a lot of for for a lot of people. Whether you're talking crew mm-hmm. or you're talking actors and talent and uh, it's always been my mission to try to like disperse. I mean, I may be a dude with a long beard and look stoic, but but I'm just a kid, you know. And it, like I'm, just, I'm, I'm yeah. always trying to disperse that ego and that uh, that stuff. Because my next point to what you were just saying with with that actress, I think as a as a creator, as a director, um, I think the most exciting stuff for me is when I first come up with an idea or if I sit down and I storyboard something or if I put it together, I'm starting to feel it. I'm like, Oh, this is the moment where like this happens and I see it and I'm excited because I'm watching this movie that has never been seen before and I'm seeing it. And then Mm. the process of prep, the process of putting it together, re-explaining that thing like a hundred times to your crew and the people around it, it starts to not be as exciting. Like the image starts to get dull again. Mm. And I feel like, the next moment that it gets really exciting is when you call action and you let an actor reinvent it for you. And and mm-hmm. seeing, there are some directors that literally want to just be able to put their hand up an actor's ass and, and use them as a puppet, essentially. And it, that's not the world that I want to be in because I want to be No, I don't excited. want to be in the world. <laughs> <laughs> No thanks, not for me. Thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> I watched the Muppets. Thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 it's the, it's a collaborative art form, and the more we celebrate collaborating, the the better the experience we're gonna have. You yeah. know, yeah, man, yeah. Yeah. Everybody have everybody has their place in this thing to tell this story. And it is exciting and it is fun and it is challenging. But um I always, you know, especially now with uh, like a, telling you about awareness and being mindful of who's showing up. Mm-hmm. And I know the only thing I have control over is how I present myself. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you listen well, if you listen well, and you allow, I allow people the space, you know, I don't come in trying to, trying to direct the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. That's not my lane. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just bring my bag of tools. Yeah. And, and I come to work. And so, you know, I want you to direct me. Yeah. I, I love it. I do. And I love those directors who know, like Ernest Dickerson, who just say, man, I see you. You got it. I don't need to say nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I got it. Thank you, man. Um, I call them actor directors. You know, like they, they, you know, sometimes you talk about, like in basketball, when a guy played the game and now he becomes a coach, that's a different type of coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Because he, he, he really has a deep respect because he used to live where we live, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I've always, I've seen that work out beautifully uh, with dudes who, or, or I'm not saying, I mean, men, women, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who 
who were in the game, you know, as actors, they always bring a, a, a different level of um, kind of care in a, in, a, in a way they handle the actors. That's what I experienced. Yeah, and I get that. And and for a while, I was always intimidated by that because I'm, you know, I'm not an actor and I haven't taken acting classes and I haven't done that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, like a few years ago, I was, uh, I stumbled across uh, Judith Weston and directing for actors and I really got deep into that. And there was so, um, so much that I learned from her that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those like eye-opening experiences where I go, Jesus, I called myself a director before this. You know what I mean? Where you're, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, like there's so many things. And and then in retrospect, you like, you look back and your work and you go, man, if I had these skills, I would have changed that scene and done this. And, and so I try to surround myself with as many actors and friends of actors as I possibly can be just to like sort of absorb it empathetically through them and, and sort of understand what they're going through and hear what they're going through. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to cheat my way <laughs> into the back end of it because I, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. This is something I used to say when I was a cinematographer and they would be budgeting out their stuff and they're like, how, you know, what kind of camera gear do you want now? How, how, like we should get that special lens package and we should do those. And I go, well, what's the, what's the budget you're spending way too much on the camera man like it's not gonna mm. mean shit if the stuff in front of the lens isn't good so mm -hmm. like i could shoot it with my iphone like go get spend the money on the people and spend the money on the mm. on the set design and spend the money on the actors and br bring the good stuff in front of the camera and make it worth turning the camera on you know like mm. make it make it interesting you know yeah wow and, uh, it's awesome Dude, I mean, but there's, and I say that on the show, and I'm also speaking to you, the listeners, and there's so many folks that listen to the show that are young filmmakers, and everybody gets obsessed. We get lost in the sort of capitalism and the consumerism of purchasing the newest gear, and you're not a mm -hmm. filmmaker unless you're using this camera and all this. None of that means shit. Like, none of it, it's just purchasing stuff. It doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, mm. it's 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 interpersonal relationships. It's, it's being able to you and me being able to sit here and laugh and talk about stuff. It's important. That's, yeah. that's what the job is. That's, it's the most, right. it's the most social job in the planet is being a storyteller. You it's, know, it's a people, it's a people deal for sure. So the more you're fascinated with psychology and sociology and philosophy, yeah. uh, the better off you're going to be, you know? Yeah. Cause that's, that's what stirs the soul. For me, I've always been fascinated with uh, existentialism and, you know, yeah. just the human condition. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the same thing. It's like, I, you know, I'm a, I've been a horror movie director for years and a lot of my stuff goes towards like cosmic dread. And, and I've always been fascinated with how people process stress. And I'm always fascinated with how people process like that pivotal life changing moment and, and, and how it changes folks. And I think that's kind of why I wanted to be a storyteller was to grab that, that scary moment. And, and then what does that do to you? And how does that develop you into something different and, and arm you with something yeah. different? And, uh, you know, speaking of the walking dead, I think that's what I always liked about that comic book series. Cause I read that comic book series for years. And I also liked about the show was that it was less about, the the zombies and it was more about like post-traumatic stress ultimately is what that show is it's like 
Correct. years and years and years of of like brutal experiences and and how does that change the human emotion for these characters you know yeah definitely and definitely with tyrese you know uh sensitive how does a sensitive uh thoughtful spirit live in that you know uh in in a world like that and inevitably they pretty much said he was just kind of that that world was too much for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I don't personally, I don't personally believe that. Um, I think, um, the more we can deal, especially as men, the more we can be vulnerable. Yes. The more it's about the condition of the heart and how we relate to people with, with sensitivity. I I think that's really going to help us be a better world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I never, uh, <clears throat> I never shy away from that, and I love that about him. He had the strength and the vulnerability. Anytime you can take a hammer and crack some head open, you know <laughs> the, that the the power is there. But the the his vulnerability and thoughtfulness about humanity, I thought was just just a beautiful thing, you know, and. Yeah. I couldn't find though. I wanted to find the argument to s- remain on the show, <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> like 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 Melissa McBride. Like Melissa McBride was supposed to be killed off after the second season. It's crazy. It's crazy. And now she's about to do a spinoff. It's crazy. Yeah, but she went to them and 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 they. They clearly saw the vision, and I don't think I've seen a character arc like hers ever. No, <laughs> oh, no man. you know, yeah. to go from domestic uh, a, d- a victim of domestic violence to uh, an incredibly powerful leader uh, is just amazing. And she went to them, uh, to my understanding, and she was able to convince them to keep her on, and then the and then it exploded. You know, yeah, so. I was trying to find, um, but as I looked at the body of work and the way we told the story with Tyrese, he he had said and done all he could. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I had to accept that, that, you know, this is your exit. And then when they uh, explained how they were going to do that episode, uh, Scott Gimple and uh, Greg Nicotero, when they, when they talk, we talked about what that episode was going to look like and feel like. I knew it was an homage to the man. Is one of those, <laughs> whether you know the show or not, if you watch that episode, you'll know who tied the death episode. You'll know who Tyrese is. And I, I thought that was just, for, I applauded them for the way they approached him leaving the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you embodied such a powerful character and such a memorable character on that show, and and uh, you would just—it was so enjoyable to to be with you and see that that rawness and that that vulnerability. And and there's something fascinating about this. And this is something I talk about all the time when we're developing things. It's it's so funny how—and I don't know if "funny" is the right word—but it's so interesting how it's more fascinating to watch a man attempt to not cry to attempt to maintain his composure on screen than it is yeah. to see someone like really sort of break down. And 
I think there's a fascination with that. Um, and that has been existing for quite some time. And who knows? It's probably going to change. But um, there's something fascinating about a man trying to keep his composure because there's so much stress on us as the male species to do so, to be, you're defined by your composure, you're de defined by your job, you're defined by these elements. Um, and, yeah. and emotion is- Somebody like Barack Obama is, is an amazing example, you know, yes. of, of that. Look, I, I gotta be the leader and I have to keep it together. Yeah. And, but yet you see how much more gray his hair was. <laughs> When it was about time to leave, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the kind of cross we we bear, if you will. Um, but I've really, um, yeah, I, I do my best to uh, take responsibility for what's going on inside, yeah. you know, and and not project it onto other people. Yeah. Most people, believe it or not, are just <laughs> projecting their thoughts and attitudes on you. Yeah. And and trying to tell you who you are. <laughs> and it's all through their lens. Yep. And I, I, I say, wow, you know, um, some of them may say, geez, you don't have to be angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. <laughs> I'm not angry. That's that's what's bubbling up in you, and you're projecting that onto me. So I try to I try to say what I mean and mean what I say, and and be present. And you don't have to read me. Uh, I'm, I have no qualms with being vulnerable, and I know I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna get swallowed up by it. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. I just think it makes me. It, 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 I do my best to try to be a better man. You know, and, yeah. and and being able to to express yourself when you're when those feelings are there without you know resorting to screaming or you yeah. know yeah things of that nature you know uh, or physical violence you know uh, yeah it, it goes a long way towards just humanity and and again. Just, just trying to help participate and contributing to a better world, you know. Dude, I completely know, man. And I mean, <clears throat> I've, I've, you know, I was the older brother of four. I've always been the oldest in my family, as far as when I was growing mm -hmm. up. And uh, right. I've sort of fallen into this role of of mentoring and being a teacher, and and then sort of directing kind of plays into that world and. And, uh, you know, for years and years when I was in my 20s and early 30s, it was, you have to be tough, you have to be driven, you know, you have to get yourself through mm -hmm. it. And then you just, you know, I, I, I had a couple near-death life experiences and all that kind of stuff. It, it all changes everything for you. And you just realize like, man, I'm, 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 I'm working so hard to be, I'm working so hard to be this definition of what a man is supposed to be that I'm missing life <laughs> and I'm, and I'm really... You know, as a, if I'm a, if I'm supposed to be a storyteller, then I should be involved in all these different emotions that I'm ultimately going to have to direct at some point. So, like, mm -hmm. I got to drop mm -hmm. all that shit. I got to drop all that shit. Yeah. Man, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now there are some that that do hold on to that. You know, swash swashbuckling, brazen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Uh, romanticized uh vision of you know or the john waynes if you will yeah you know 
Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, not, no doubt about it. Uh, the closer you can get to those buildings, the better you are able to interpret, you know? Yeah. And it opens you up. It, it really does. It opens you up. It makes so many more possibilities available rather than being fixed and rigid about the way things should go, how things should go. To me, the greatest leader just, uh, just really can sit back and just allow the people to do what they are blessed to be able to do. Yep. And yep. only need to say something if the thing is, is veering into, <laughs> you know, an area that's like, Oh no, 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 no. We don't want to go that way. Sure. But, but it takes a lot of, of confidence and, and, uh, and then you, you know, you just can't be drunk about the power <laughs> you know, <laughs> that I'm in charge. <laughs> yeah. We know you're in charge. We do. We know. But, but also I say this all the time on the show. Like if you're getting into this business to be that guy that gets up on stage after your film screens and you cross your arms and you go, I made that, you know, I, like right. what happens is, is you do that, you might get that high for about, I don't know, 15 minutes. And then as soon as you step off that stage, you go, oh, I'm unemployed again. <laughs> like, it doesn't exactly. matter. It doesn't matter. Right. You know? So if that's, if that's your goal, you're going to be pretty, pretty miserable the whole time. Miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. You know? And there are a few out there and that's what I'm saying, man. I just, it finally clicked to say, Hey, Chad. You have to participate in the happiness you want. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't always just going to come to you. You, you, you have to meet it with intentionality mm -hmm. and really, you know, I really get into it. How am I showing up? Mm -hmm. Who am I choosing to be right now? And if it's not about connectivity and togetherness and fun and laughter, then, you know, I check myself because <laughs> I really, you know, what I mean, all I want to do is, is I want everyone to feel comfortable as possible. Everyone to be relaxed. Yep. And, and let's have, let's just have an amazing experience. How about if we all come to the table like that? And when it doesn't happen, don't judge the people, just encourage don't judge, just encourage, check yourself. <laughs> check myself. I really, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's unbelievable how much the experience we have in life is on you. It's on me. Yeah. And when that really clicked, it changed the way, uh, it changed, it changed the, the tone and the tenor of, of many of my experiences. Yeah. Dude. And, and and I know I've said this before on the show, but like I I've had I've been fortunate. I consider myself fortunate to have these memories. I I, I have memories of shoots and, and films that I've done. And one that is so incredibly vibrant with me is uh doing a I did like a proof of concept. I did like a a film and I I put together a really great team and all these people that I loved and we found this amazing old house. It was like the shining house. And we were shooting this thing. We were doing overnights because it, we had to, it was horror. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it was on the East coast and it snowed and everybody got snowed in. It was a blizzard. So we're snowed into the location and we're still shooting. And, and, uh, mm -hmm. we, we break for, we break for lunch 
And I remember I, and I, I, I'm a food guy too. So I'm always bringing people around food and the meals are really great. And, and I, I walk into the, to the place that we've, it was like this old, huge, like old mansion, like 1800s mansion. And there was like this old ballroom dancing portion that we, we changed into the food place. And I walk in and I just look, I take a moment because I know it's like you, you have one of those moments where like you're standing in the, in the eye of a hurricane, you know, and you're like, this is a, this is a moment that I should just be present for because this, this, Mm -hmm. this doesn't happen all the time. This was the, the purpose of all the misery that I went through to get here today. This is what it's about. So just shut up and stand here and look around for a minute. And, and I did, and I was just watching all these people and they're eating together and they're laughing together and they're so excited and, being a crew guy in the past, I know that when the when the when the shoot sucks, you're not eating with everybody. You're taking your lunch and you're finding a corner somewhere and you're you're mowing <laughs> on your lunch, you know. And and yeah, I, and I'm looking yeah. I'm looking at these people. They're eating and they're laughing. And then I started to cry. Like I started to tear up. I started to cry. It was like this moment of like this is this is what it's all for. I mean, sure, I want the mm-hmm. movie to be good. I want the project to be good. But this is what it is. And I remember. When I, because I, I never eat, because I'm, I'm always prepping and doing a hundred things. And so then I went back and I'm standing next to camera and I'm there early and I'm just looking at the set and absorbing the set and trying to process what we're doing next. And and there's still 20 minutes of lunch left and the, the, the grip comes in and he's like, hey, we getting started again? And then like the sound person comes in and then the, all the crew started to come in and they were ready to work. 20 minutes before lunch finished. And I just, mm. and I was like, this is it, dude. The, right. This is what we're That's doing amazing. this for. You know, I love that yeah. stuff. Have yeah. You, it's a beautiful community, man. And it's just, it's kind of, you go, wow. Yeah. Why can't the world be like this? Yeah. Why can't we all get along like this? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's a, yeah, I know exactly. I'm, I've been. I was experiencing it on. Um, I was experiencing it on Girls Five Ever, and I was experiencing it on um, on Three Women. Oh, okay. Everybody, you know what I mean. The amount of laughs we were having in the makeup trailer and just <laughs> the energy and vibe. I told them. I said this. Both I, both of those sets, the energy and vibe. And just the the connective tissue, mm-hmm. it was just like, yeah, man, this is this is why we do it. This, you know, it's special when that happens. And of course, that that it was that way on the wire, and it was that way on the Walking Dead, and definitely that way on the Orville. Oh, wow. uh, cool. Yeah, Seth is the type of dude that it, collaboration is the thing, man, and. He's got the weight of the world on his shoulder with the everything. Yeah. You know, his hand has to be in everything, but he handles it, bro. He handles it. And, and we have fun and, and we, we work through things. Yeah. And it's, and out, and and you said this before too, we're all big kids (laughs) and, It's so important to stay connected to that inner child mm-hmm. because there's a level of innocence there that that can be, you know, corroded or, or rubbed away 
mm-hmm. with with all of the conditions of the business. Yes, and uh, you don't you don't want to lose that inner child. You always so the same kid that was looking at that Scholastic magazine. I'm still that dude. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. still that kid. Mm-hmm. And and when I can when I can fully experience that without you know the weight of all the other responsibility. Man, it's it's not it's, it's not like it. It's 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 very nurturing, and yeah. it just feels like a big hug. It just feels like it's just love, you know. Yeah, it, it really is. Well, I mean, you you bring up a really interesting point too that uh, this business, and this is something that I've learned since I moved out here. I I came out here because I have two films in development, which. You know, coming from the East Coast and being a guy that was completely immersed in like hands on making films, stuff goes quick, stuff is really fast. This is where I'm doing it all. Uh, I'm on the ground doing it. And then coming out here, which required a whole new weird world of attention, which is the slow moving beast that is that is Hollywood and like statistics and algorithms. And then you're processing all this stuff. And I've been through this this other world that has been two years of playing the game. Um, mm. And just recently, I was like, I got to get back and make something. I, I got to make something again. And, and, and it was, honestly, it's in the past two weeks that we now have a new piece. And I'm just so f- excited to just get the team back together, get the crew back together, go back out there post-COVID and, mm-hmm. y- you know, be in that place again. I want to, I want to make sure that I have a room full of people eating that are happy <laughs> to be in that right. space. You know, I can't yeah. wait to do it again. And it, that's, you forget, you get so distanced. It's, it's, it seems like the closer you get to Hollywood, the more distant it is from that child, from that, that, that playing around with cameras and people. And it, it becomes mm-hmm. v- very completely opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do, brother. I do. The business, the business side of the thing can can absolutely be that brutal, and that's it, it, it's it's not going to change. So there and again, it's like, okay, how am I showing up? And you know, man, I, I, I can have a temper tantrum about this. Yeah, but where is that going to leave me spiritually inside? It's yeah. going to leave me brutally uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. So I'm always participating in, okay, how do I nurture myself? And so, so I can show up and be a blessing to somebody else. How do I do that? Yeah. Because it is very tricky and <clears throat> it is incredibly challenging because you are dealing with many people who could care less yeah. how you feel. Mm-hmm. Or what you think. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And man. it so it's some people's game is to devalue you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it's a it's a, a leverage and power thing. Yeah. And so I I I go, okay, Chad, why are you placing so much value on it? Why do you need that person to to validate you? You don't. You're already validated with oxygen and gravity and a clear mind. Yeah. That's your validation and an open heart. 
That's your validation, bro. Go forth and prosper. <laughs> no matter what, <laughs> what comes your way. And I find myself laughing a lot because you see, you know, that some people are incredibly damaged. Yeah. <laughs> and very and very unaware. Yeah. I will say and, I- yeah, I would not to interrupt you, but I I will say no, no, this. No, okay. I will say this, dude. I like you. I like you a lot. <laughs> this conversation well, means something. Like it really does. Like it, it's it's nice to hear you doing this. And and in retrospect, as we have this conversation, and I get to know you. Um, I understand why you're so great on screen because of that. And I think your your mentality on on how to handle this stuff translates specifically into your work. I think it really does, dude. I, I do. No, you're right about that. I, I think I can say to you, I'm a better actor now. <laughs> you know, I, I was a great performer. <laughs> <laughs> to me, personally, I'm saying my, my own assessment. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're super talented, man. But when you, it's like, when you fill it out more and you, you round off those edges, it it just you know more shows up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Again, I, I'm here. I'm I'm present. I'm fully alive, and I love people. Yeah, and I love what I do. That is the truth. No matter what, no matter if somebody cut me off in traffic, you know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. Or someone made a, a, a like offhanded comment about. No, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. So for me, it it, it has to be about um, evolving, growing. I yeah. want to grow. I don't. Not, nothing stack. We already moving towards everything. <laughs> we all know what the end game is. Yeah. So. What was my experience like as I moved towards that? Yeah. And yeah. I, I, it really is. It really, I, I, I really love, I really am fascinated with, with that and, and, and how to relate to others. I tell people all the time, we get so fixed about relationships. Yeah. No, it's about how we relate to each other and how, I don't, one thing I don't like labels, <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a product in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's not fixed. It's very fluid. Just be very fluid and open. Um, and also when we were growing up, there was no role you were expected, especially in the theater. You were expected to play all sorts of roles. Yeah. You know, that's how open your instrument had to be. That's the way he taught us, you know? So hmm. some people can pimp their persona all the way through and make all the money in the world. Yeah. Um, because the, you know, the game is set up like that because it's so much volume. Yeah. But I'm always trying to be open to evolve and open to, you know what? No, there's nothing I can't play inside. This, this instrument is designed for me to play any note at any time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's about being, again, very open and very available. And, hey, surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. I love that. You know? 
I love, <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. And, 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 you know, I, I love talking to you and it, it, dude, it makes sense why you started to do a podcast. I like, how long ago did you get start doing the podcast stuff? Yeah. We, this just came about no, no more over a three month period. A, a long time ago, I, I was working on this humble Hollywood. I, I was fascinated with the notion of being humble in Hollywood uh-huh. because there's so many trappings, you know? Yeah. There's so many things that want to say, come on, ego, come on, ego. So many things is like, it's about me, me, me. Yeah. And I've never been that person, man. I really, I really, um, I love the theater because you got, it was a playground. Mm-hmm. You got to collaborate and, and, and relate to other human beings. That's what I did. Mm-hmm. But as you make your way through this, some people have the perception that, yo, you have to be incredibly selfish yeah, in order to s- succeed and prosper. But I've never been that way. And I've always been fascinated with uh, other human beings. And I'm always curious. And, and then it just hit me. It's like, yeah. And as you can see, I'm a talker. <laughs> I, enjoy, I, mean, I enjoy a good conversation, man. You, you know, you and me, I, I find it, it, it's nurturing and, and it, it helps to create connectivity. I mean, you and I right now in real time, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, dude, I, I can feel, feel like- a sense of like, yeah, I know you better. I know you better. I feel a connectivity. <laughs> and that's, that's a good thing, man, to me. So you know when I come to LA, I'm a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> dude, I am I am in. I am in. Yeah, I am in when dude. I come out there, bro, we go you gonna you gonna put that you gonna get that barbecue going. <laughs> hold, hold on, you dropped out at that la- you go Yeah, I know I it can- went back. So I said I said I said when I come out there, the barbecue pit is gonna be hot. <laughs> and we go we're going to have a great time, bro. And <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I am bro. totally in, brother. Because it, it's, I, you know what it is? It's it's finding, let me be honest. Okay, I'm going to be honest on the show here. I've I've interviewed, what are we on? We're almost 200 episodes. So I've interviewed a lot of different people. And there are times, and people call me out on the show, there are times when I'm talking to someone and you're trying real hard. You know what I mean? And you're just, <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you're, you're yeah. trying, you're digging. Um, but dude, yeah. you and I were cool. You, you and I were firing on like minute two. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so this has been good, dude. This has been really good. <laughs> yeah, bro. When you meet like-minded people, you know, when you meet like-minded people and soon, as soon as you said blue collar, I'm like, yeah, that's my dude right there. I get it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Lunch pail. We're going to work, gang. Yeah. We got to go to work, y'all. Come on. Yeah. So, uh. But but but, but, but we're gonna have fun. We're gonna have fun all along the way. Yeah. And um yeah. yeah, that's what it's a it's a good deal. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm at I'm at that table too. I'm at that table eating and laughing, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I sure that's like you said, that's the sweet spot for sure. Well, dude, and, and the thing that I've always loved about our business is that it takes everything that I love about what I used to do. So like when I was a kid, I was a house painter. I was a mechanics assistant. I worked as an airplane mechanic for a while. And the stuff that I, that I liked in that world was the camaraderie. 
You know, like if you're, I I remember I was hired as a landscaper and I was sweeping dirt off of a runway. (laughs) So it was like this long paved runway that went on forever. And it was just me and another guy. And we were joking and laughing and it was such a fun thing to do. I mean, who would say that sweeping a runway would be fun? Uh, And that same energy, I, when I started to be a cinematographer and I started to work with my crews and a lot of folks don't realize that a cinematographer is, is essentially a father position. You're, you're, you're taking the responsibility of such a, a huge piece of the crew to do that. And that was always my mentality of like, come join the crew, come hang out with the guys or come hang out with the rest of us and we'll have beers, we'll drink, we'll have good food. And it's just that camaraderie that comes with it. And then it's knocked into the other side of my life, which was like going to art class, learning how to draw learning all that stuff. Mm. So it's this really awesome combo of both those worlds. And for me, I'm always fighting the, the bullshit that comes from Hollywood, which is ego. It's ego mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I get going through the misery that is trying to get a film developed and like the back and forths, the days that your agents call you applauding, going, you've done it. And then they call you back yeah. three hours later and they go, well, it went away. <laughs> it just it like, went away. You're yeah. like, fuck man. Yeah, and, bro. And that, that side of it, that's I'm, I'm into that side. I'm all in on that side as well. And my man's just like, why do you want to do this to yourself? <laughs> and I tell people, um, being creative is a gift. Yeah. All right. Life, the mystery of life, right? Mm-hmm. So you have, we don't really know. So I'm uh, to me, what I do know is the qualities of that which created me is creativity mm-hmm. in itself. I was created. So the more I create, the closer I am to, to what I, to the creator. So, yeah. I could be, I'm, I'm at my best creating. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I feel the same way, dude. Because the gift, that's that's what I'm participating. I was given this gift to give it back. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. how I say, and that's why when we're not working, we can feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And you should. Hmm. You yeah. should. Yeah. Because that gift wants you participating in with it, you know? The <laughs> gift yeah. wants to create. So you should feel uncomfortable if you're not able to work. But then I also realize, well, don't wait for others. Just get out there and do it. Yeah, that's, and yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Boy, you, you are correct <laughs> in the people game. Yeah. <laughs> do not ever think you know what another human being is going to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's wild, man. It's a wild business. It really is. It's a wild life. It's a strange life to, to try to create some sort of like structure. And uh, it's a strange life to create a business plan. And it really is. It's weird. Yeah. But I've been a traveler for a long time, bro. I, I was in the military. I was a video cameraman in the military. And, oh, you know, wild. Wild. So it's, yeah. yeah, just you got to pick up the bags and go. And then you start getting the industry and you're doing a play in California. And now you're doing a play in Connecticut. Now you're doing a play, you know, down in Dallas. So 
you know, that just being fluid and, and open to those moves and just finding new ways to stay connected, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whether I take the kid with me or I move, you know, uh, just find a way to nurture the family. Yeah. And um, and make everybody a part of it. Yeah. You know, that's what I do now. I'm always letting my family know what I'm doing and if they could possibly show up for something. Just, you know, keeping that aspect of of staying connected to family is huge to me as well. Dude. Um, look, I mean, we're hitting to the point where I have to start to wrap this up, but I- I'm sad that I do like it, like this, <laughs> this conversation is really wonderful. And, and it, I always, I always feel special. You know, you feel something when you connect with someone and, and I'm happy that we talked. I really am because I ha- I had admiration for what it is that you did prior to this, but you know, <laughs> now talking to you, I f- like your work just glows even further because, because it seems like you're a really great dude. <laughs> you know I mean? so. Brother, I, I thank you again. And the connectivity is most certainly there. And I'm not playing when I come out there, bro. <laughs> I'm gonna hit you up. Yeah, dude. I uh, I, I hold I hold you true to that, man, because I'm not an LA like flake. That no, exactly. No, absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> neither am I. Trust me. <laughs> you will be getting a call from me. <laughs> you will. So <laughs> Not, so when you, because uh, I hear it, uh, you know, I'm yeah. going to taste that food, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me I just. I know you like to throw down. Dude, dude, <laughs> well, I'm a willing participant, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, well I've, I've said it on the show. Uh, for me, uh, making food, like making meals is like making mini movies. It really is. It's mm. like you're still, you're manipulating senses, you're manipulating experiences and the food and the people that are at the table and all that stuff. And that's how I stayed sane through the lockdown was like, all right, I'm making mini movies all week. So who's, who's involved? What's happening? <laughs> I like that brother. Yeah, that, dude. that's a, that's a great analogy and a cool approach. Well, thanks dude. And I'm excited about your podcast. I'm definitely going to be tuning into the show. And if um, I'm going to be promoting it on my end, I know a lot of my listeners will love your show. So if you guys are listening, we'll make sure that we put all the links in the description of the episode you know where to go. You know how to support. Um, I don't know if this is going to get out before you do your live show in, in Vegas. That's what you the big thing you have coming up, right? Right, right. That's that's we're, we're tinkering and putting it together, Brett, and all those variables you're talking about. Sure. Uh, we're definitely facing those challenge with with that. Uh, I can say that it is my hope and desire that on. Um, Friday, April the 22nd at 2 p.m. Okay. I'll be in a ballroom in Vegas and uh, I'll be sitting in front of the likes of Anthony Mackie and, and many other uh, cool folks and, and we'll have a lot of fun. That is my hope, brother. Nice. That I, is my hope. I but love the it. show itself, we've already recorded like 18 different episodes. And I can tell you somebody you'd love to talk to is uh, Ernest Dickerson. Oh. Uh, you know, I, yeah. Ernest Dickerson, Amy Ryan, uh, Omar Dorsey, um, Malik Yoba. Um, we got an astronaut, astronaut Dan Tanny. And um, wow, just 
uh, uh, psychologists to the celebrities, Jeff Gadir, um, and and just uh, just a whole host. My boy Marquan uh, Smith, who uh, created the God the Godfather of Harlem. Uh, and also a wonderful actor himself as well. Uh, and just young actors, uh, young rappers coming out of incarceration and changing their lives. We, we're going to serve it up and, and, and <laughs> all across the board is a, a vast array of, of amazing folks. So I'm excited about that. Me too. And man. We're, cur- cur- we're currently we're currently uh, shopping for a deal. Nice. So, nice. you know, to see nice. which platform we, we land on. But uh, I'm excited about it, man. And uh, and I thank you for the time and I thank you for the support. Of course, brother. And if there's anything I could do for you, just let me know if there's anything that I can do to help you guys. So, um, well, thanks for being on the show, Chad. It's been a, 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 an absolute pleasure, dude. Right back at you, bro. We'll do it again. We'll do it again. So what did you think? Good episode, right? I felt really good at the end of this one. I felt really good talking to Chad and connecting with him. And man, it just sucked that we were just doing it over the internet. I wish we were doing it in person. I'm going to get together with him in person and probably make some barbecue. And we're going to get even deeper into this stuff. Because there's something really nice about being a guy and being allowed to be vulnerable, right? Because process that for a second. This is something that's new. This is a new thing if you're a guy. You know, when I grew up in my time period, which for many of you, as you probably assuming is when cars were invented at this point. But when I came up as a Generation Xer in the 90s, like it wasn't cool to say that you were getting therapy. It wasn't cool to say, that you were feeling emotional about stuff. And it sure as hell wasn't cool to do that with your guy friends, right? It was a sign of weakness. And so it's really nice to be able to get to this point and process a lot of our anxieties, process a lot of our fears. That's just if you're living your life as a man. But if you're working in this industry, if you're in the world of understanding emotion, You have to understand and process emotion in order to recreate that emotion that you've witnessed or that you've experienced. You have to go through it to understand it. If you're an actor, you have to have access to that emotion. You have to have access to that trauma. You have to have access to all those things and make sure that it's not changing you, that it's not making you worse. You know what I mean? That it's changing you for the better. It's it's a thing that a lot of folks don't talk about. It's a thing that we don't really hear on other interviews. Most of the time when there's an actor on the show, they're self-promoting something and they're like, what was it like working with that director? Well, he was a genius. And then what was it like working with that cast member? Well, it was so exciting on set and blah, 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 right? That's most of the interviews that we hear with actors. And every once in a while, you catch like a good one, maybe like an actor's studio and they talk about their process and it's just like, here's how it came up. Those ones are okay, man. But I'm really happy with what we did today because today's emotional and it should be. And let me shed some light on it, man. 
as a as a director, when you're talking to actors, it's mostly emotional communication. And so if you can't access your own personal fears, if you can't access your own emotions, if you can't share your own stories, how are you going to get an actor to trust you? How are you going to get someone to get in front of that camera and believe in you? Right? I it's it blew my mind learning that the more connected to my emotions that I was, the more that I talked about it with people around me, and the more that I was willing to be vulnerable, the stronger I became, the stronger director I become, the more admiration that you get from them, from the people around you. I mean, just me coming out and saying that I've been doing therapy, I've had multiple friends, multiple male friends come to me and say, who's your therapist? And what's it like? And how are you feeling about it? Is it okay? And what's it like? It's important, man. It really is. And I'm not taking credit for any of it, man. Gina is the one that made me do it. She pulled me out of my shit. And she was just like, I know you're being a man. I know you're being macho. I know you don't think this is a thing, but you should really think about it. And thank God she did, you know, because it's helping me get through this new world. It's helping me get through what's going on in this world socially. It's helping me getting through uh, how I deal with rejection in this business. It's helping me process my, my anxiety around time, you know, and control. Two things that you have to sort of be obsessed with if you're directing. But it's that same stuff that you bring into your regular life. And the next thing you know, you're just running on adrenaline all the time and you're exhausted. You know? So it's been interesting. It's fun. I'm personally trying, and I said this to my therapist last week. The goal is to shed all of that anxiety. Of course, you're going to have a bit of anxiety if you start a new project. If you do something, it should be a little bit nerve-wracking, right? You should be scared of it if you're if you're pushing yourself. But that's not the anxiety I'm talking about. That that kind of fear going into a project is empowering for me. Where it's like, oh, I can fucking conquer this. That's great. Let's just push through it. That'd be fun. It's the other stuff. It's the deeper rooted anxieties. It's the deeper rooter fears. It's the ones that keep you from getting started. You you get there's many of you listening to the show that know what that is. The I don't know if I could do this. I don't think it's good enough to do this, right? I don't think. Who am I? I have this imposter syndrome. Who am I to charge money for this? I haven't done this for as long as that other person does. And what is my worth? And what is my value? Right? We're all dealing with that stuff. Why not get help? So definitely look into it. And uh, there are are therapists on every insurance plan. If you're on California care, if you're on Obamacare, you can get a therapist. It does exist out there. Believe it or not, for many of you who believe that you can't afford one, maybe you don't have enough income, you don't really have to pay for them at that point. So definitely look into it. And the way I look at it is this. I'm getting the tools for a new toolbox. I'm getting a tool, the tools for my real-life toolbox, but I'm also getting some pretty solid tools for my directing toolbox as well. So hope that helped. Hope you guys liked this episode. And uh, get ready, because there's a bunch more on the way. A lot of exciting stuff on the horizon. I want you guys and girls to be there with me. So, you know the deal. I'll see you next Tuesday.